0: This is Ron Hager with the National Disability Rights Network, and with me is Mark Schultz, who is the Assistant Secretary of the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitation Services, or OSERS. He's also the Commissioner of the Rehabilitation Services Administration, RSA. Where are you? Are you in Washington? No, I'm actually in Nebraska. So you're in Nebraska, and I'm in Buffalo, New York.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how much we've been able to accomplish through this. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so Mark, uh, such a pleasure to have you with us this afternoon, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today as we uh, do this uh, podcast to celebrate the National Disability Employment Education Month, and which is, I heard today from OSERS actually, that it's the 75th anniversary.
1: Yes, it is, it's the 75th anniversary uh, we're celebrating, as well as it's the 100th anniversary this year, the VR program, as you know. Oh, all right. That's right.
0: Well, you know, uh, we've gone, we go back quite a ways, as I found out, back to when you were uh, doing the, uh, heading up the assistive technology program in the state of Nebraska.
1: Yep, many years ago, right? More yeah. than more than we want
0: to count, right? <laughs> the, the reason I asked that question is I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, since you've been in the field of disability work for so long, what was it that got you started?
1: Well, I actually started out, um, I needed a job. So looking through the paper, there was an ad um, for a very free design specialist at a center for independent living in Nebraska. And I graduated from architecture and had a degree and I wanted to put it to use. So started working for the Center for Independent Living and I really, I just, I just caught the passion for the work that I was doing at that point. And then had a family member that had some physical and mental health issues that, as that progressed, um, I was able to see her struggling with keeping a job and started to look at what I might be able to do to um, help others in their search for employment and and success. And so that kind of led me to a mission of of wanting to improve employment services for people with disabilities. And um, as I progressed through my career, um, you know, at the level I was working, whether it would have been with assistive technology or vocational rehabilitation, eventually as the director, Um, and then moving up, I I saw issues that I wanted to work on that I couldn't make a difference at that level. And so I've just had the opportunity, fortunately, to be progressing in my career path and, and being at a level where I could hopefully influence some changes that would make a difference for people with disabilities.
0: Well, thank you, Mark. We certainly appreciate you having you in the position you're in. Um, we really enjoy your your message uh, and, your, and your passion. Um, could you describe a little bit for us what your roles are right now?
1: The two hats that you basically wear and how they work together? Sure. Um, well, I started out um, being confirmed as the Commissioner of Rehabilitation Services Administration um, after waiting 500 days from my nomination to confirmation. Um, and then after two months in that role, I was asked to serve as the um, as Acting Assistant Secretary at that time for the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services, or OSERS. Um, so that was re- an opportunity and a real honor for me to take on that role. And it, within both those roles, I helped to set the vision and the priorities for OSERS um, and then set those in alignment with the Secretary of Education, Secretary DeVos. Um, and that occurs, those priorities occur for both our formula state grants and our discretionary grant investments. So. That's the primary role, but uh, being able to serve in that dual role capacity really gives me the opportunity to promote collaboration between RSA and OSEP. Um, so that we're really focused in terms of our activities around education and employment, um, in terms of the collaboration and the alignment of those activities. So it's, I, I see it as a real opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, it is interesting because you do have both hats. You're over both the special education system under Office of Special Education Programs and the RSA, the VR side. Um, so, and you talked, to, uh, you know, about your passion for this work because of your just desire to see people with disabilities succeed. Could you go into a little bit more about what you, how important it is for you, uh, for people with disabilities to be employed, to be competitively employed?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it all emanates from my experience with the Center for Independent Living, and where I was able to um, kind of. I guess, bat, get baptized in the philosophy <laughs> of independent living um, and, and recognize that how important it is for all of us, really, to have a job that affords us the opportunity to be economically self-sufficient, uh, to pursue our goals, our dreams, and our ambitions. Um, and for example, many of us, when when someone asks us, um, who are we, right, or what do we do, it's it's always uh, around our work, you know, our, right. in our response and in what we do. So. A lot of our self-worth and self-esteem is often based in work. So it's real critical that we have the opportunity to be able to succeed. And for people with disabilities, it's particularly important, I think, that expectations be raised for everyone so that we're not satisfied and, and people shouldn't expect to be in subminimum wage jobs in non-integrated environments. And that's the importance of competitive integrated environment. It creates an expectation that everyone can and should work. Um, And that we should be looking to maximize the potential of every individual um, and and, and based on their disability and their unique needs, so that they can really be as successful as possible.
0: Thank you for that. you know, definitely we share that mission, which is is wonderful. The whole point of all this is preparing people with disabilities for success. And I I really like the way you went on the, the childhood you know, because a lot of families think, oh, my child's disabled. Our life is ruined. It's over. What are we going to do to have that, you know, expectation that your child with a disability is no different in terms of expectations for any other child Maybe different, but the expectation should be the same. So yeah. I, I, I appreciate that message. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank that. you. Lori, and I have had those discussions. And that was something I recognized when I was a director of VR in Nebraska. And then as um, when I went to deputy commissioner, I was able to actually start to influence that to some degree because I had special education under me in early childhood. So um, I I think that is important to, without those expectations, people only live up to the expectations those have around them, right? So, you know, the parents are so critical in this process. Right,
0: right. With the role of VR, as you're looking at preparing people to be successful, to be employed competitively in integrated settings, what do you see the role? of the vocational rehabilitation system in that process?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I would even start before the role of VR, because I think it's important to establish the expectation very early on that everyone can work. Um, And I would extend that everyone can go to school, right? So even early childhood, when when, um, a family has a child that's born with a disability, um, it's, it's, it's necessary, I think, that we reach out and connect those parents to the resources, but to, create the expectation that they should have that for their child, that every child should be able to go to school, go to work, and that the family should know that and support that as we move forward. So creating that expectation early on is real critical. And then as BR gets involved um, early on with the provision of pre-employment transition services uh, with students with disabilities, it's to support those students as they learn about work, and begin to acquire the necessary information, the skills and the experiences to really make informed decisions about their career choices. And then working with youth and adults to again help to support their informed choices through some of the career counseling, the work-based learning experiences, training to acquire skills and knowledge, um, advocacy um, and independent living skills so that they're able to go to work. the necessary information to make good informed decisions around benefits and financial decisions. Um, we, we help with identifying job opportunities and assisting with obtaining what I call quality employment, which I think WIOA really says we should be about quality employment. Um, and so that may mean supporting individuals as they advance in a career pathway so that they're truly um, de- uh, reaching their goals and getting meaningful employment it helps move towards economic self-sufficiency. Uh, you know,
0: you mentioned benefits. Uh, we've experienced a lot of times fa- parents being afraid or concerned about if their student or young person goes to work that they might lose benefits. So how important is it for the families to know about how work does affect benefits? And is that a role that VR can and should play in helping make sure fa- families are aware of this
1: uh, information? Yeah, particularly when we're talking about pre-employment transition services, that is something that the VR agencies can play a role in. Um, So whether it's counselors, and I know in many states they contract with uh, WIPA, uh, the WIPA program, or other providers to assist with some of the benefits counseling um, that is occurring. But, you know, it's so important and critical to families as they make those decisions, um, and and the impact of those um, decisions on finances and benefits. So um, we, we really see the need for that and I think that continues, Ron, um, as individuals progress with their employment as well. So when they get a job, uh, what are the decisions they should be making about uh, retirement plans and contrib- contributing to those retirement plans? What are the consequences if they don't? Um, and then as well as if they're still receiving benefits at some level, what's the impact of uh, advancing in their career and receiving um, uh, a promotion or an advancement in pay. So um, those are critical decisions that need to be supported with the benefits counseling. You talked about the pre-employment transition services and what we
0: really have now in the in the federal law with the special education laws and the rehabilitation laws is a plan or a hope that the special ed system and the VR system work together while students are still in school. And I know you feel that's critical. What are some things that could be done uh, to make this more effective, to really get the two systems to work better together to meet the needs of students.
1: Yeah. Well, as you've said, uh, the coordination between schools and the VR programs, it's key to maximizing those opportunities for students with disabilities so that they can get the experience and the skills necessary, um, just as their peers um, are able to do that, to have those work experience opportunities, and that really creates them that foundation for success later on. So. As you said, that that partnership really is built on common goals and values um, between IDEA and and the Rehab Act, and that really is intended to provide for a seamless um, service, right, in in, in terms of services and the provision of those services and supports to help those students with their career goals. Um, So some of the things that we've done to help facilitate that is. Um, Again, having RSA and OSEP work on providing some of the supports. So one of those is the transition guide that was recently updated um, to emphasize pre-employment transition services and the transition services and and how those could be coordinated across systems. In addition, um, Lori Vanderplug, the director of OSEP and myself, um, just issued a letter that went out to the leadership within um, VR agencies and schools, special education, um, that sets the expectation and encourages that collaboration in um, expecting that VR programs and the schools, the LEAs, should be working together to coordinate those services. And particularly now during this time um, where COVID-19 is, and the pandemic has really impacted on that ability to reach out to students and coordinate, um, we're really encouraging them to look at opportunities to be more flexible in terms of how those services and supports can be provided and particularly for schools to work with the BR programs to provide access to those students who may be using remote learning um, and to be able to connect with those students. Um, because when they're not in person, it really makes it much more difficult for BR agencies to do that. So, so things that we're, we're doing to try to expand that partnership and encourage that partnership um, from the federal level. I think in addition to that, one thing I'm really excited about, Ron. Right, go. <laughs> is, not that I'm not excited enough about this. I can tell. <laughs> but, but it's more than just the, the schools and the VR agencies, right? There are other partners. And we've been um, having discussions with Julie Hawker, the Commission of the Administration for Community Living, um, about the role of Centers for Independent Living, because they have a core service of transition. And um, are we connecting enough? And so we're, we're having some discussions and bringing stakeholders together right now to talk about how we can collaborate across all those programs to more effectively provide services to students with disabilities. So um, look for more to come on in that arena. Oh, that's great. That's really exciting. I mean, that is one of the problems
0: when we have all these systems in place and all, they all have their kind of, I'll say, silo, but it's not quite that, Uh, you know, them, them, you know, laid out, but it is, and to get the system to work together uh, is a critical, critical issue. You mentioned COVID, and one of the things that we at NDRN really appreciated from your office and from you, Mark, right from the beginning was the message to the VR system, we're open for business. Yes, we have to do things differently, but we are going to continue to push forward, to be creative, to do as much as we possibly can to meet the needs of our clients in this environment. So I'd love to hear you uh, you talk a little bit more about uh, the role you've been playing, maybe with both hands, um, uh, in ensuring that that the mission is still being uh, met, even in this time of COVID.
1: Yeah. So I would just point out it was my message, Lori's message, but also Secretary DeVos's message, right? That that um, the expectation that all students should continue to Receive educational services, especially students with disabilities, was so critical during this time. So, um, I would say you know we can look at COVID-19 in a number of ways. And while we certainly see the challenges that exist, there are also many of opportunities that uh, we can look to take advantage of right now. So, um, for VR, what we're seeing in our discussions with the programs across the country is they've been able to, I think, respond admirably. Um, by being able to gear up and provide remote services, and to stay connected to individuals with disabilities as they look to be employed, um, but also to retain jobs that they have um, through additional training that can connect them to technology uh, and assistive technology that allows them to, if their businesses have and, and jobs have moved to remote or telework situations, to promote that to to uh, support that trend. Um, uh, that transition to those jobs. So um, that has been critical to success. But there are also jobs out there, depending on the service sector, um, for us to connect individuals to. So they've had to be very innovative and creative as they're working, not just with individuals with disabilities, but also businesses, as they're shifting to telework, to be able to stay connected to those businesses and to connect them to the qualified workforce that we have, um, and the individuals that we have. So. That's required programs to adapt their training um, and to um, work through telework themselves, right? So right. They, the experience are able to share that. But as, as I see it, you look at the telework that's going on right now and the, the shift that business, um, businesses have had to do to that format, it actually provides greater flexibility. As they see, they're able to continue to provide services in that way Um, that really provides for greater adaptability through accommodations for persons with disabilities. You can allow for different ways of getting work done and greater flexibility in hours as to when that work gets done. So there are lots of opportunities, I think, that we can take a hold of if we just stay aware of that, right? Right. Yeah, that's true for a lot of people with disabilities that may need reasonable
0: accommodations in their work schedule because of uh, difficulty getting you know, ready or different ways that disability may affect them. It's just kind of like universal design. They can just work at their own schedule and they don't have to worry about commuting and getting ready. It does, it does open some doors. That's correct. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I think that's the important point, right, is to stay positive about it and look for the, um, I mean, we could talk all day long about the challenges as well, which we see, I think, again, I think VR has, has always tried to evolve with the times. And as I mentioned early on, um, 100 years of experience that we have. Right. Um, times have changed um, recently, but they've been changing for 100 years. And I think that's the beauty of the program is it um, continues to evolve and adapt to those changes.
0: Right, right. No, that's what it's critical as we continue to move forward. Well, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us today, uh, Mark?
1: Um. I think what I would do is just uh, kind of build off of that last statement, right? We, you know, 100 years of experience, um, VR continues to evolve. Um, And and I just wanna assure um, everyone that's listening that the VR um, programs out across the country are out there and continue to serve. I think some people have assumed because of COVID that perhaps um, some services aren't available, but from our discussions with states, they've been sharing with us that they are up and running whether it would be um, in person or through telework uh, remotely or some kind of hybrid model, they're still out there providing services. And um, over the course of the hundred years, while we've evolved um, through innovative and creative solutions, perhaps, um, one thing has remained constant, and that is the program's focus on helping individuals and assisting them to achieve their goals of employment and independence and we'll continue to do that well into the next 100 years. So. Well, thanks again, Mark. I really appreciated your
0: spending your uh, time today with us and I really appreciate your vision um, and stay tuned for the next episode. All right, so thanks again, Mark, and eventually maybe we'll see each other face to face.
1: All right, thanks, Ryan. Have a good week.
0: Thanks. Take care.
1: I'm Kurt Decker, executive director of NDRN, And thank you for celebrating National Disability Employment Awareness Month with us and our members. We hope you enjoyed these podcasts and we look forward to talking with you more in the future about the important issues impacting the lives of people with disabilities.